Thanks for listening to the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network podcast. I'm Rachel Middleton. We believe influence is an expression of healthy leadership, and leadership is best measured by its influence. We are better together as we grow and advance the kingdom of God. Thanks for joining us. Are you ready? Let's get started. On our previous episode, Mike Atkinson and I discussed some of the expectations of a leader, not what a leader should expect from their associates or staff members, but what their associates or staff and others should have every reason to expect of them. Now, we know this isn't an exhaustive list, but here are five of the things we previously discussed that we believe are of high importance. I just want to review them before we go on and talk about some additional items. So number one was personal improvement. You need to be a leader that others want to follow. And as you improve yourself, others will be challenged or inspired to do what's necessary to either catch up or to keep in step with you. Number two, we talked about trust. It's an important element in any successful relationship or interaction. Without it, there is nothing to build upon. Trust is like a bridge that spans from where we are to where we're going. And when trust is broken or trust is lost, it is no small job to rebuild it. Third, we discussed honesty. When a wrong turn is taken, it takes a leader with strength of character to honestly admit the mistake and ask others to join them in getting back on the right path. For that matter, as a leader, you need to be truthful. If one is known for telling fairy tales or spinning stories that can't be substantiated, they'd be surprised to find out how many actually know what's really happening. Now, you should not be surprised when kids don't tell the truth, but you should not tolerate lies from adults. Abraham Lincoln is quoted as saying, you can fool some of the people all of the time and all of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all of the people all of the time. But then again, P.T. Barnum has also been credited for using that quote, and it certainly fits his temperament better than that of Honest Abe Lincoln. The fourth thing we discussed was fairness. Whether it's in conflict or in compensation, a leader must be fair in properly assessing situations, knowing that what is fair to one may not be fair to another. Your staff needs to know this. You have their back just as you expect them to have yours. And the final expectation we talked about in our previous episode was vision. You can only circle the wagon so long before others know you don't have a clue where you're headed. And if you can't define it clearly, then just give the big picture and ask for the input of others to help fill in the details. On this episode, we're going to talk about four additional expectations. They are communication or being a good communicator, attitude, development, and empathy. I'm glad you've joined us. Let's get into part two of expectations of a leader. Mike, the next thing on my list was communication or being a good communicator. And I defined it this way. They can tell the story. They can make the point and draw a conclusion that others can easily understand. Yeah. Being a communicator does not necessarily mean story time. When we get up and we open a book and we tell the whole story or we read a novel together, a right. communicator can really very succinctly, I think, get to the point and help people understand where they are and where we're going and know how we can all be on the same page together. I think that's the sign of a good communicator. I agree. Again, we've talked about this before in, in several broadcasts and several of our podcasts that you know leadership is something that we learn, not necessarily have 
as you know, just something that's just granted upon us. It takes experience and time through all this, and we can grow in these skill sets. And communicate, being a communicator is one of the things that we can definitely learn and grow as, with as we go. Don't discount yourself because you don't consider yourself a great communicator. Communication is involved in a variety of ways, whether it's be written or oral or however you do it. And some people respond to communication in different ways, better in different ways. So I think it's always something that we can learn and learn to do better and grow with. And so I totally agree with you. We have to be able, the leader has to have the ability to communicate and you have to have a basic level in order to succeed. But it's also something we need to develop and grow. And it can be developed. People can learn how to communicate more effectively, but they can't learn unless someone comes alongside and says, here's some areas where I think we could, we could work together to help you do an even better job. If you go to somebody up front and say, boy, you're a horrible (laughs) communicator. You think they're going to say, would you help me? No, they're not going to say that at all. They're not. Though I do have some people I'd like to talk to. Uh, I probably know it's better for me to not go and say, okay, let me give you some clues on how to communicate better because uh, that wouldn't work. Yeah. I think there's 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 cues that we can pick up on as leaders on if we can't if we're not good communicators. And if we have to constantly re-explain things or go back and reframe things or wonder why people are missing missing the mark, it, it should be a, a strong signal to you that maybe communication is something that you need to, to work on. Absolutely. And, you know, we could go back to some of these other areas we've spoken about already about when things go wrong and, and a real leader is going to stand up and say, okay, it's it's on me. The reality is if somebody has done something a way that a leader wouldn't have wanted it to be done, you could probably trace it back to the fact that that person didn't know, they didn't understand what the leader really wanted. Right. Had it been communicated clearly and appropriately, uh, that, that probably would not have taken place in the first place. I agree. Mike, here's one that I'm really not sure how to say the right way, but <laughs> that they're the demeanor or that they're pleasant. The boss's mood sets the tone and affects absolutely everyone. Have you ever worked in a place or been in a place where somebody walks in and it's like, oh, don't bother him today? Oh, oh no doubt. And I, I hope I'm not that person <laughs> when I when I come into the office. Oh, boy, I hope that's not the way they see me. But yeah, absolutely. Worked with people and you know, on occasion, a person or two that it was just, it was brutal. It, it was it was very difficult. People in the office would sig- send signals back and forth like, what's, what's the temperature today? What's, yeah. You know, are things going well or not? And it's just always what can you know, constantly walking on eggshells and didn't want to set somebody off. And so, yeah, that's a tough, tough environment for sure. And the good thing, you know, if you're in a bad mood, (laughs) nobody has to tell you, you know. Yeah. So if you have to go into the office that day and you're in a bad mood, do us all a favor, go in, shut the door, turn the lights off, light a candle, or listen to some mood music, (laughs) some whatever, you know, some aromatherapy, whatever you need to do. But go into your office and and shut yourself in if you have to. Pray. Ask Jesus to help. Something. But don't come out with this, you know, kick butt and take names attitude because nobody wants that. (laughs) Nobody wants that at all. Yeah. So I don't sound very pleasant. Sound like I get upset when somebody has a mood like that. (laughs) Oh, well. Okay. Here's a seventh one that I wrote. I wrote development. 
A leader promotes personal and professional growth and development. They're not a micromanager. People know what team they're on, and the boss doesn't undercut those who lead. That's all part of developing leadership and developing responsibility. Anything you want to add to that at all? I almost consider that when they be like job one of a leader is that your that your responsibility is to help develop others. I understand you're taking having to, to lead and guide an organization or a department or a family, but if you're not working to develop others, I, man, that, that makes me tough. That you consider whether or not you really are a true leader. I, if you're not working to develop others, I, what a selfish way to to approach things, don't you think? Yeah, don't you think we should probably start day one in whatever position we're in, understanding how we develop a successor to right. ourselves? That right. if if we're here working this job or holding this position, whatever, and we're not looking to the future of when we are asked or tasked to do something else, and we have to leave this behind for a successful transition, we have to be developing people behind us. And so a leader has to be constantly promoting personal and professional growth. And and, and I consider it almost like if you've been in an organization a fairly fairly long amount of time and you're getting ready to leave and there's not a successor that you haven't developed, that's not your staff's fault. That's not because there's a shortage of a person. It usually reflects back on the leader not being the person they should have been in developing those underneath them. And is often why, especially in a, uh, in a publicly owned company, why those leaders are released because they have not developed underneath of them who they need to help lead that organization. Yeah, and often it's, it's out they go. In, you know, it's, it's insecurity in a lot of ways because you feel that threat. Well, they're going to take my job, or they're going to, you know, they're they could people underneath you as a as a threat. What a poor way to work. What a poor, poor way to lead. Yeah, and and I I put this in under that development. Maybe it's really a separate thing. But have you ever worked with someone who undercut you? You were in a position of leadership, and the person you're working with undercut you. Have you ever had that happen? Absolutely. I have. Yeah, it's a it's a blow. It was a it was a blow to me, and it goes back to that trust. Yeah, it, it hurts, and yeah. unfortunately, I've, I've probably been guilty of it as well. And so, it's not a way to really. <laughs> create a cohesive atmosphere at all. No, and and probably also goes back not just trust but communication in the first place. If if there's some reason that they're attempting to undercut you, uh why? What is that all about? I have a particular one in mind happened 40 years ago. I was out of town and uh, I shouldn't even go into all the details. It's not worth it. The point is I I came back and was just reamed out because I was told I hadn't done something properly. I hadn't communicated properly. And the truth is that person just had not asked any questions. They were pretty convinced that they knew the answers to everything. Mm-hmm. And um, so they, they hadn't asked the right questions and it wouldn't have mattered what I did. I was going to be undercut anyway. So pretty frustrating. <laughs> the eighth one I wrote was empathy. I need to know in an organization that if something happens, I'm, really hurting that somebody cares. Now, it seems like we live in kind of a time when there's a lot of people hurting, you know, for whatever reason, and let's not get into name calling or whatever, but but uh, people seem to be more sensitive than they've ever been before and need safe spaces and blah, blah, blah. But there are times, 
in the middle of a divorce, I when the a death of a spouse or or a loved one, uh, when there's you know some other difficulty taking place, I think you need to know that that somebody cares. It doesn't mean that you your responsibilities are immediately lifted from your shoulders, but to know that the person in that organization is a real person and understands what hurts are and wants to come and express their sympathy or sorrow or expression of understanding where you're at. I, I think that's really important. Yeah, I think it's, I agree. And it's important that as a leader, you care. One of the things that I've mentioned several times in dealing is that if you're going to lead your people, then you have to know your people. And if you know them, you're going to care. And so I think it's, you're exactly right. There has to be a sense, and we talked about before, that people leave organizations or leave managers, not organizations, and they don't leave managers who care. If you can show empathy and understanding, it goes a long ways, for sure. Mike, I think these, many of these can be wrapped up into one thing, this ninth thing that I wrote. And this goes back to the conversation we had with Alan Vandenberg just a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. at our Doorways Leadership and Influence Network Connect meeting. And that would be that a leader has a high EQ, mm-hmm. EQ also called emotional intelligence or emotional quotient. It's just as a definition, it's the ability to understand or to use and manage one's emotions to relieve stress or communicate effectively, to empathize, empathize with others, to overcome challenges, to diffuse conflict, to be able to, to relationally work with people in such a way that we're all able to understand where we fit, where we're going, how we can be a part of the process and not just be kicked around by somebody at the <laughs> top of the pile. Yeah, so high EQ is pretty important, I think. Talk to me about EQ in the workplace. How does that fit for you guys? Well, I think for for people, it boils down to leadership is, are you looking at people as a just a means to an end? Or are you looking at these are important aspects of my position or what I'm trying to accomplish is the, the people that I lead? What's important yeah. to you? And so if you're low EQ and low emotional intelligence, you're looking towards some other goal that's not people oriented, you know, which I think said would be a poor person to work for and work with, to be honest with you. And so having a high emotional intelligence is basically interacting with people the way that, that you should and doing it properly. And so we just had a crisis moment here at the office. We were without power for several days, but we knew that there were two or three highly critical things that we needed to accomplish in these days that we didn't, didn't have power. And so my team did a great job of working through the difficulties. And I found myself more than often than not just recognizing them for their effort along the way. And I kept going back to that Gary Smalley illustration. And they always talks about is that you're the family on vacation and the tire blows out, something goes wrong. It's that vacation five years from now is when you're going to look back and laugh about. It's like, Hey, remember that time we went on that trip and, the tire blew out. We all had to get out of the car and change or whatever. It's like you look back on those moments and those are the times that really kind of matter. And, and so for us, I was telling others during this week, like, hey, five years from now, whatever, we're going to look back and say, hey, remember the time that great we had that power outage and how we all worked together to get the things accomplished. Those moments where you can kind of step away a little bit from yourself and look at ways for opportunities to interact in a positive 
reinforcing way is just huge. It goes a long way as a leader. Any other items you want to add to this, Mike? Well, I, I think expectations, as we talked about before, can can kind of make or break you as a leader. The expectations you have for the people you're leading and then their expectations for you. And so if you don't communicate those or don't have a great opportunity to, to listen or to go back and forth on those, you're really setting yourself up for a lot of frustration, a lot of mistakes. And I, you know, one thing I would say is that it's never too early to do that. You know, start early, start often, uh, let them know and communicate frequently what, where you're at, what your expectations are. I've learned along the ways that when I get a, an assignment or get something uh, delegated to me, one of the first questions I ask is, so what, when do you want this by? What exactly are you looking for? And looking for a clear definition of what the expectations are for that project so that I can make sure that either I need to change some things to meet them or I need to pull in some help uh, on those things. And so I can meet that, that obligation. And I think it's the same thing we need to do when we're working with those around us is being clear in those expectations. I hope you enjoyed our podcast and I hope that you'll join us on future episodes. Please follow us or subscribe so you can be notified when new podcasts are released. Until next time, this is Rick Shields, and on behalf of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, this is my prayer for you. May you have rest when you need it, strength when you want it, and joy when you least expect it. Until next time, may the Lord bless you as you follow after Him. Thanks for listening.